Hey, folks, welcome back to the DC Three Cast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are Vincent Zach. Although we only have Zach for a couple of minutes, Zach has to go tend to his uh, his child who is not feeling so well right now. So we wish Thea the best. And uh, until then, we're gonna have him talk about World's Batman Superman World's Finest Number One, written by Mark Wade, illustrated by Dan Mora. I really thought we were going to stick to the bit of calling her DC Wilkerson. Oh, um, I, I, I am happy to call her DC Wilkerson. <laughs> I, I just I did, assumed you would want to. I did that in Lad's chat today. So uh, <laughs> I, I was trying to be respect, more respectful on the air than I am uh, <laughs> in our chats. Well, uh, but Zach, aside from you ordering five of the Jerry Seinfeld variants of this issue, uh, <laughs> what did you think of this first issue? Um, I was immense. I, I continue to be immensely disappointed that this is probably not a backdoor pilot for a ki- sequel to the kingdom. Although it, <laughs> it, it still could be, I'm holding out hope. Um, <clears throat> hope springs eternal as they say. Um, we just got done last week um, talking about kind of uh, our ideal form of world's finest, which is uh, what we're seeing in Tom Taylor's uh, super Superman and uh, Nightwing books. Um, but this was actually a really nice um, counterpart to that, I think. And I, I, I like the idea of those two ideas exist coexisting with each other. Um, this book felt like the DC animated universe in the best way to me. That's a good call, man. Um, both in like, in several ways and like in, in the way that the characters were written and their dialogue, um, in the characters that were used, like, like I just associate Metallo with, with like the, the Timverse stuff, um, and uh, it just it it was so reminiscent of that and fun. I, I thought that the way that like this this whole story is technically like a flashback and that it takes place in the past, but the the way that flashbacks were used were really fun to me. Like the absurdity of the premise, you, you know, um, Clark getting injected with strains of red kryptonite and going through all these metamorphoses and then like the doom patrol getting brought in which is just like total zacknip very very good pull on wade's part um and and used in a really smart way um throughout the course of the book and it's just it's it it was oversized and it didn't feel um decompress i mean it was a little decompressed but it didn't it didn't feel long to me in the way that sometimes these oversized issues can and then the dan moore art is just unbelievable it's it's an incredible showcase for for his artwork so uh i liked this a lot Vincy, i liked it a lot too um yeah, I think it was interesting that they decided to just tack the 10 pages or whatever it was from the preview of this that we already got at the start of this. And then it resulted in a page like halfway through that basically explains what happened in the first 10 pages. <laughs> I don't know if you guys noticed that. Yes, but, yes. Um, but that's all right. No, no harm, no foul. I'll take as much of this as I can get because... Like Zach said, it looks gorgeous. Like 
man, this is pretty, this is almost my platonic ideal of what the DCU should look like. You know, mm-hmm. Dan, Dan Moore is so good. Um, I like the mixing of the, the villains that, that don't necessarily belong together, not just uh, poison Ivy and Metallo, but penguin and the Quardians, the, the weaponers. Oh, right. Yeah. I forgot about the Quardians. So good. Dude, yeah. What a great way to use them. And I feel like that is something we don't get from DC enough, but Mark Wade is like the perfect guy. That's going to try to do stuff like that, which is, you know, you've, you've got this universe of characters, but most writers feel like just staying in their corner or whatever. It's kind of like, well, this was last week's episode. Now I'm getting my, I'm getting my episodes mixed up here, but I talked about how, when the guardians show up in a non green lantern book, it's like a big deal. Right. I feel like when characters that don't belong in a Batman or Superman book show up, that's a big deal. It's, it's, it's just fun and different. And it doesn't necessarily feel important to the fabric of the DCU, but it, it feels, well, it is a lot like the, the animated series. Like, like Zach said, I I feel like in the animated series, anything was liable to show up. Mm -hmm. um, Even though the, the series was just called justice league, you know, it was called justice league, but anything from DCU canon past or present was liable to make an appearance. Um, and that's the feel that Mark Wade is establishing in this book. And it's just so much fun. And that's not even mentioning the Doom Patrol, which is just a delight to see show up here. And just what a mad lad Niles Calder is. He's gonna do he's gonna do freaking kryptonite surgery on Superman. Yep. <laughs> it's I'm in. I'm in yeah. all the way. Yeah, this is this is great. I, I think all of us were a little bit nervous about this because I don't think any of us particularly want a story from Mark Wade that isn't going to be pushing forward and doing new things. And so this felt like, well, you know, this is with this is t- telling a story back when Dick was Robin. So it's not really, you know, a a current day story and and. I think we were all afraid this is going to maybe be a bit of a of a nothing type book, but it looks so great. It, I think, I think Wade walks a really fine line between making young, enthusiastic Dick fun and annoying, but he like he lands in the right spot on that. Um, I think the relationships here are pretty good. I love the Doom Patrol showing up. That that's uh. I kind of wish I didn't know that going into this issue because that would have been a really fun thing to discover like midway through the issue. Like, holy shit, that's the Doom Patrol, you know, um, but this was just this was just a delight. I'm really glad that Wade is back at D.C. and clearly he is really glad he's back at D.C. too. And that's really fun, especially after having such a public and um nasty end to his last run at dc it's great to see him showing up here again and seemingly here to do a lot more fun stuff as the as as his tenure at dc continues i hope we get in the next round of announcements something else for way to do because i well there is that um 
Black Label book that he's supposedly doing with uh, Brian Hitch, the Superman one. Oh, yeah. Know. Yeah. Um, I hope something that's not that gets announced <laughs> because <laughs> uh, as much as we've enjoyed Black Label stuff and as much as I think Black Label is a good thing, Mark Wade is like the definition of a guy who should be working in the main DC universe. Yeah. Like that, that is just like his his sweet spot is is writing these characters in the DCU. Yeah, but maybe this is the kingdom follow up. Maybe that's <laughs> right. Maybe. I love your enthusiasm about this, Zach. I just I, I still love hope that, that you're right. That dumb, stupid story. I love it so much. <laughs> um <laughs> It's the Never best changed, thing. But... It's the best thing to come out of the whole crisis management thing for me. My my love of the kingdom. <laughs> wow, that rocks. That does rock. I'm very happy that it brings you such joy. It does. Very happy. All right. Well, let's say goodbye to Zach. We're gonna take a real early break this week, and Vince and I will be back to talk about more comics after this. Hello, we're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Zach. And I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster, A Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump, discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on MultiversityComics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. And we are back without Zach with Detective Comics 1057, written by Mariko Tamaki, illustrated by Amon K. Nahuel Pan. And we are getting close to the finale here of this uh I've already forgotten the name of it. How um, um, shadows, shadows of the, the bat. bat? Yeah, event. How are you feeling about this event as we read the penultimate issue? I am gonna say the same thing I said last week, which is that I've I've come to terms with the kind of story it was trying to be, mm-hmm. and I'm enjoying it on that level, which is just kind of popcorn fluff. I think it's fine. Yeah, I, I I did enjoy this issue a little bit of the the pieces coming together in a way that's a little bit unexpected. Like for instance, I thought it was kind of cool to see the mayor's wife have a bigger role in this um in this story. Yeah, just because I think that she's she's an interesting character here and her her getting the uh what do they call it the medusa mask the medusa mask yeah. yeah her getting the medusa mask at the end of the issue is a pretty fun like cliffhanger for the last installment here absolutely that was the most exciting part of any of this because i love when i love when there's a new legacy character potentially and i don't i don't know if the, if she's going to stick with as like psycho pirate three or whatever we're on. I think there's been two already. I think so. Um, too. um, 
I don't know if she will be Psycho Pirate 3, but I think it would be fun if she were. And it would be a fun extension of the Mayor Nakano storyline to have her then be Psycho Pirate 3. Like, right. That's one of the that's one of the things that the DC universe does that's so great. Like passing passing that torch on to somebody else and not necessarily someone you would expect. Um I hope it does stick. That would that would make that would make this story a little bit more consequential to me, I think. It would just do something different, right? Yeah. That's 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 all we want, right? We that, that's what I want from a popcorn level. You know, if it's not going to like hit me over the head with theme or like I just want it to give me these little things that 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 spin off into future stories potentially. Yes. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. Um, is there any bit of this beyond that that you could see sticking around after this? What, what, anything else that we've seen from this event carry forth in the Bat comics? Um, I just I what I think and what I hope is going to happen is that this this focus on the Bat family sans Bruce or or with Bruce as very much a side or background character is going to continue. I would hope into the next storyline. I don't think there's too much. I don't think there's too much else here that's going to do that. I hope you're right about that. I mean, I hope that we're going to see Bruce still taking a back seat somewhat uh you know to to the other back characters for now because that would be first of all I, I I know that you and I are probably in the minority of people who don't want multiple Batman books happening at the same time right or, or rather multiple Bruce stories happening at the same time yeah yep uh and so I'm sure there are people who would hear what we're saying and like, oh, that's a bummer. I, I want Bruce back, but I legitimately don't want Bruce back. I want <laughs> I want this. To me, this is a much more interesting status quo to have. I don't know if we're going to get that or not, but, you know, but I'm, I'm hoping for that. But the other thing that I am hoping for that comes out of this is just a greater sense of interconnectivity between the different bat family characters like i love seeing oracle playing point for all these characters at the same time that's something that we've gotten that we got i mean that that used to be oracle's entire entire thing right but to see her come back into that role i think is really really good and i hope we get a little bit more of that yeah that'd be my hope for going forward from this but I don't know if we're actually going to get that or not. So we'll see. Anything else to say about this before I go on to the backup, which you definitely didn't read? Um, no, I didn't. I didn't read that. Um, Lady Clayface showing up. Yeah, that's was fun. fun. Yeah. Yeah. It felt like every page featured a character joining a fight that was already going on and kicking someone in the yes. face. Yes. Uh, we should um, also say that uh, Nahuel Pond's art here is continues to be very good. Oh yeah, 
Yep. Yeah, that's all I got. So again, I'll say I said this last time Zach wasn't on the show. It's a bummer that you're not reading the backup because then I have to talk about it myself. But also the backup is good and you should be reading it. Mm, okay. Uh, this issue pretty much confirms that the character we've been following is not Weir, the Doctor, which again makes it very strange for me that we're not that these stories aren't connected. But this story takes place. This installment takes place almost in the current day, and it ends on a pretty fun little cliffhanger. So I'm excited to see where this goes. The Fernando Blanco art continues to be really good. And this is definitely the best thing Rosenberg has written at DC so far. Uh, wow. I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Um, also, there's a Joker sighting, but it may not be the Joker. <laughs> okay. That's a whole that's a whole other story. Um, all right. Well, let's let's move over then to uh, we're going to be talking about an issue that's actually a couple weeks old here because we're trying to cover the War for Earth 3 event as it's happening but we just got because two parts came out in the same week we skipped over the second chapter which is suicide squad number 13 so we're talking about that quickly and then talk about this week's installment of that which happens in the flash but suicide squad 13 uh was written by dennis hopeless and robbie thompson illustrated by eduardo pensica and dexter soy I'm enjoying this book way more. I'm enjoying this event way more than I thought I would. There's a couple of really good things that happened here. I This is the best ambush bug in 30 years. Easy. Ever. Ever. Maybe ever. Yeah. Um, even with me not having read Suicide Squad since issue four or five, I feel like this lays out everything that's happening in such a way that it didn't feel super catch up where you know we're, we're just catching up on all the stuff that you've missed but i followed everything really easily um, yeah i think the only thing i had a question about was the bizarro superboy yes that that is something that, that i am not familiar with um necessarily but again even that's pretty easy to figure out if you're if you're just reading between the lines here like okay you know, Waller has made him into a bizarro somehow, has poisoned his brain or whatever. Um, the one thing I will say I did not like about this issue is that this did entirely too much of the then now oh, back oh. and forth. Like, there's no reason for that. For no reason. I, I think what it was trying to do, I mean, what it was going for was. Oh my God! Why? Why are Peacemaker and Ambush Bug in a brawl at a dueling piano bar? We're about to show you. You know, right? But that was maybe the only time that it really worked or served the purpose. You know, like yeah, okay, that is a wacky situation they're in. Now let's see how they got into it. They repeat that effect over and over again, and not just in this issue. <laughs> and it does not work. I, I don't get why like again when writers think that they're writing pulp fiction or something 95% of the time it falls flat yep but that's that is only like the really one negative thing i have to say about this um the story for me it, it's it's just like what i said about um trial of the amazons last week it's not like 
majorly blowing me away, but I'm surprised that how much I bought in and how, how, how excited I am to just check in with this in, in one book once a week, you know, to see yeah. what, to see what's next. Not, it's not blowing the doors off, but it's just pulling me along on its little string or whatever. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. It's it, it's nothing that's happening here. I think especially at this crossover, we're never going to see this stuff again. Like this seems to me like it's it's pretty much telling a a done in one event type story. But I I really enjoy that story. And yeah. it's just it, it's just pretty fun. And you know I am probably the highest on Dexter Soy of anybody on this show. But I really enjoy Dexter Soy's work, especially here. I think it looks really, really nice. His pages are, to me, way more interesting than the pages we get from uh, Eduardo Pensica. No offense to him, I guess. But, yeah, that's how I feel. Yeah. Um, I do think there are some vague gestures made throughout this this event so far. That includes the next book we'll talk about, but at it being something more than this at it having some vague connections to perhaps dark crisis, but I, you're right. I don't think there'll be anything more than, than lip service. Yeah. And, and I, I think that this is one of those occasions when like, when you look back now and you read all the DC books that were taking place six months before infinite crisis, you get a lot of similar stuff mm. where there is, you know, these little, these little points to, to infinite crisis coming up. And so I think that this is probably something vaguely similar to that. Um, but yeah, that's a, uh, that's that issue. So let's, let's skip ahead then to this week's installment of the war for earth three crossover, which is the flash Seven Eighty, written by Jeremy Adams, illustrated by Will Conrad. It brings me no pleasure to say this is not the good Will Conrad. Yeah. This book and its art. Ugh. Yeah. I mean, th- th- this is not the this is not the worst Will Conrad, but it's not it's not a great Will Conrad here. But Jeremy Adams takes a crossover I don't really give a shit about, gives it just enough in here to make it to make this, you know, part of that crossover. But then he does something that I love. <laughs> I bet I know. <laughs> And that is bringing Maxine Baker (laughs) and the Bakers into this book. Like if, if Maxine is going to be friends with Irie, that is so great. Wild stuff. Yeah. Wild, wacky stuff. (laughs) I got to get you to do it every time. Yes. (laughs) And McMahon's dance machine. Is it called dance machine, right? Dance party machine. Dance party machine. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Bell, <laughs> Bell, Bim, DeVoe. <laughs> yes. This amuses nobody but us. Yeah. This is, this is just for us. <laughs> yep. Um, but yes. <laughs> you ever notice how guys hold themselves down there? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, but yes, uh, bringing Maxine Baker into this is really clever. Um, although I have to say there's a there's a bit like five pages later where someone is walking through Iron Heights and it looks like Buddy's in prison behind him. Oh, I know oh, I it's didn't... not. 
I, I'm pretty sure it's it's maybe Trickster. Okay, okay. Let, let me just you you keep talking. I had to look this up. But it really quickly. I was like, wait a minute. Are we gonna learn the buddies in jail? Like it's just, <laughs> it looks like Buddy's wearing a trench coat over his like uniform, which is something he's done obviously in the past. Um, okay, I'll tell you if this is Buddy or not. It's Hang not. On. It's not. It's not Buddy. I recognize that, but it's you know. Also, uh, I never thought we'd see that Warden of Iron Heights again. No, I'm kind of shocked we saw that guy again too. Yeah, Williamson's run. Yeah, yeah. Uh, couldn't for all the money in the world tell you his name. Yeah, but that's that's okay. Oh that's, yeah, that's that's trickster. Yeah, but but you see quickly how it can look like. Uh, yeah, the Animal Man colors. Yeah. Um. But so then we get this invasion of the Earth Three Johnny Quick. That's his name, right? Johnny Quick, yeah. yeah. And uh, we also get some Mirror Master or something. He's, he's trying to steal the Cosmic Treadmill. And that's a fun bit. I feel like the Cosmic Treadmill is like the greatest Deus Ex Machina in DC history because you can do anything with it. And Mirror Master is used in a really fun way here. I, I think Mirror Master is a villain that is very, very hard to do properly. Um, but I think that this is actually a pretty fun use of Mirror Master. This is certainly better than Mirror Master doing cocaine off of a mirror. <laughs> and, uh, I believe that was Countdown, correct? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, what else? What would it say about this title? Um, just that that Adams appears to be one of those writers who can take a. I don't want to say like a bad idea and spin gold from it because I don't. It's a think... sad song that makes it better. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> Jesus. Um, this is we're really on our bullshit. Yeah. Um, People know hey Jude. That's not that's not Ed McMahon's dance machine part. A dance yeah. party machine. Like that's that's a little bit of a of a broader reference. Well, yes, but we're we're in particular we are Paul heads. Oh, um, indeed. <laughs> um. No, but just, you know, the fact that this book had to get roped into a crossover like this, that it really has nothing to do with. Um, and pretty much everything that happens in the issue is is interesting and befitting of the title. Um, like None of this feels out of place in this. No, title it, it doesn't. It somehow it, it goes down smooth. Yeah. And. You know, say what you will about Will Conrad, and I, I'm not a, a fan of of his art. Unfortunately, the Mirror Master stuff at the end is kind of fun. It is. It's he, very he, good. he does he does some visual trickery there. That's that's a lot of fun. Um. So yeah, I think I mean this. Oh man, the, this Adam's run is like quietly really good, and I just still wish. It, it had art that was more suited to my tastes. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but my tastes are my tastes and, and they're not the end all be all, but I, I forget, I forget about this book because I'm never like extra excited to look at it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yes. Does yes. that make sense? Well, what's hard is like to give people a peek behind the curtain here. A lot of times when we are deciding what books to talk about on the show, there are certain things that we, we feel like we have to talk about, right? Event books, first issues, 
But other times, a lot of our process involves flipping through a book and seeing if anything jumps out at us that will be worth talking about on the show. And the problem with this book is that if you're just flipping through it, nothing in this book is ever going to really catch your attention because the art isn't particularly to our taste. Mm -hmm. And so I think we've probably talked about it less than maybe we should have because we let the art dictate our thoughts on it. At least that's, that's true for me. I think, unfortunately, the art just dampens my excitement for it. You know, it just. Yeah. Um, com comics are at least 50% art and and. Yeah, just none of, none of the choices they've made so far have been for me. Right, right. Uh, so. I'm hoping that that will change sooner than later, but who knows? Mm -hmm. I just hope that Adams can continue this run. Yeah, because I think that for somebody who we were both unaware of pre rebirth, he's done some really fun stuff with this character and with this title. And I hope he's given a superstar artist so that other people can learn about how good this book is. Yeah. If I had one hope this holiday season, <laughs> it would be for people to appreciate Jeremy Adams run of the flash. Well, I hope the, the editors and the brass at DC do because Adams feels like the type of writer that, that would be like a glue guy at DC. Like, yes. Oh, you need somebody to go and write this book. Cause some, someone else vacated. Adams is going to get in there and do work. That's not only like, good but perhaps is good for the web that dc uh is weaving overall right right in addition to whatever story he's telling yeah i i'd be very interested to see what his gig is after the flash mm -hmm. let's hope it's something nice and high profile because well he's he's writing uh uh or co-writing something with he who shall not be named for the ass point beyond book right <laughs> he is he is co-writing flashpoint beyond yes yeah okay all right yeah. well that's with you know, tim as, sheridan and and johns yeah right and as distasteful as that book seems to me um that is at least a sign that somebody thinks these guys are important at dc my only reservation with that is it's a guy who hasn't been relevant at DC in a long time thinking these guys are relevant at DC. Well, someone's still got to sign off for it. Yeah. Uh, did you see the preview? This will date when we're recording this. Did you see the preview pages that came out today for Flashpoint Beyond Zero? I saw that they came out. I, I have no interest in looking at them. I did not. Did This shows you how how off from DC's like how off this book is from what these from what i want out of dc is that the headline it made today was that there's <laughs> apparently a major watchman connection in it and that made me not look at it whereas well, dc thought that would make me look at it <laughs> did you see what i tweeted about that I sorry not, I'm, not, no. I'm not on twitter but if i were i no, would have said no i it, what you did we say moo 
was the farmers only uh, yeah, yeah yeah what i posted on farmers only i didn't see what you moved about it no what would you say was please do not refer to mime and marionette as watchmen characters oh is that who they are <laughs> yeah oh okay I, I didn't even look at it like i said you know it just doesn't it doesn't appeal to me in the slightest so i didn't i didn't even consider looking at it yeah and, and yeah, and you're correct. Mime and Marionette are not Watchmen characters. Yeah. I mean, there I wouldn't doubt if we're gonna see uh the comedian or something as well. Who knows? I wouldn't put it past John's to do that, but in the context of the headline you saw from Games Radar's Newsarama, um the uh, header image that went along with that was Mime and Marionette. Okay. Uh, this might matter to literally one person in the world, and that's me. But I do want to uh, wish Bon Voyage to Chris Arant from Newsarama, who is leaving that site, um, who has been at that site forever. Speaking of glue guy, <laughs> what does that's that mean? A compl- that's a compliment. I, it, okay. means he's, it means he was holding together that site that, like. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Like, okay. like all, all of his work was I thought very you meant good. He, he, was head, he was headed for the slaughterhouse to be made, no. a, made glue out of. Do you okay. know what glue guy means? I do, but in this context, I thought you were being uh, shitty about it. Okay, no, 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 okay. no, no, no. I think you know none of my misgivings about like the Newsarama CBR style mm-hmm. uh, trash fire that 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 comics journalism or whatever you want to call it, enthusiast press uh, has become. I don't think he's responsible for any of that. I agree with that. Uh, we we briefly met. We were on a Watchmen uh, TV thing together at New York Comic Con. Ah, he looked a good guy. I mean, we, we, we've done some some roundtable stuff for DC too. So, but yeah, um, good luck, Chris. You'll never hear this. Uh, anything else to say about this book? Um, no. It's just it's good, and I always forget how good it is. Yeah. Even if it ends with it looks like Barry pantomiming a blowjob. And not Barry, Wally. I was gonna say was Barry. Like, you. Wally pantomiming a blowjob. I'm sorry. Do you see this page? I'm looking right now. I'm stuck on I'm stuck on the blacksmith page. Okay, yeah, well, I, I know I know you are. <laughs> Oh my god. I that that's almost like a Greg Land Tracy. I know, I know. <laughs> that is begging for Photoshop right there. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. No, but... of course not. Do not send us photoshops of this, by the way. <laughs> Do not. This is a gag that you we're not gonna him, repeat. You can send them to me. Send him, to, send him to Zach. He's not. He's he's not gonna know what it's in reference to. <laughs> uh, uh, the one last thing I want to say about this was uh, this issue what? ends. I recognize this. This is from the one that started it all. <laughs> exactly. <yeah. laughs> um, you know, That's become uh, a running joke. Yeah, I, it, I I don't think we should keep ever up. stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, kidding. But what I was gonna say is it, this after the blowjob. This. This issue ends with a lovely tribute to Brian Augustine written by Mark Wade. Uh, just a really, really nice tribute to the recently deceased Flash editor and co-writer. 
So uh, rest in peace, Brian August, Augustine. I'm sorry we sullied your name by talking about Will Conrad's art uh, right before it. But anyway, that brings us to our final issue of the week, which is Wonder Woman 785, written by Becky Clooney and Michael W. Conrad, illustrated by Rosie Compi, who does really nice work here. Yeah. I don't want us to go any further without talking about how good her art is here. I think that this is probably the best that this um that this event has looked aside from the couple of pages that Joelle Jones did for that first trial of the Amazons issue. This is the best that it's looked. This is dynamic and interesting and fun and I I really really enjoyed it visually. Uh, I also think this is maybe the most interesting Wonder Woman issue we've got from Conrad and Clunan thus far. Absolutely. Uh, best written as well. Yeah. yeah. Lots of the, there, there's some, there's some kind of narration or I guess you would call that narration, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, again, it's very old school. I compared the, the, the last issue we talked about um, part two, which was a, a the Nubia issue. Um, I compared some of the stuff in that to like a, like a, silver agey bronze agey type of writing and i think well this it's not a one-to-one comparison but the, the narration is kind of a throwback but it's really well written yeah it's it's like it's like better written than anything i've seen this duo write and i, I mean that as like a sincere compliment i'm 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 not even trying to shit on their previous writing because it's just it, it hasn't really been for me or struck a chord with me. Um, but like, this is legit good to great narration for a book like this. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, I, I also want to put out, I had said after the first issue of trial of the Amazons that I was not fully convinced that Hippolyta was dead. And this issue somewhat puts that to bed. Although I have to say, like, they've done a lot to not actually bury slash burn her yet. Like, there's way more time spent with her, like, body, like, in on display than I thought we would have gotten here. Mm-hmm. It does seem a little bit suspicious to me, but I do think that this is essentially con- that this issue essentially confirms that she is actually dead because we see them lighting a funeral pyre around her here. Yeah. Like I said, I think when this event kicked off, I I really do think this is an Alfred situation where I think she is going to be, it's, it's not just going to be a gimmick for this event. I think she's going to be gone for the considerable future. Um, Not forever because Lord knows Alfred's not going to be gone forever. Um, But as far as forever goes in the, weekly comics publishing sense man it's gonna be wild like to me bringing hippolyta back is not that hard wonder woman just died and is back already so like (laughs) yeah amazon's die all the time yeah amazon death is very different but like i really hope that somebody does something with like a space laser to bring alfred back like i I want that to be as goofy as possible when he returns (laughs) um but yeah, no, this this issue sets up the actual trial of the Amazons, which still has not started. 
but it sets up sort of the stakes for it. We know there's going to be uh, four combatants here, one from each of the sort of different tribes that are here, and then Diana representing all the tribes, which doesn't really make sense, but is fine. Whatever. I can kind of dig it. Um, I mean, it, it's it's Diana is nothing if not symbolic much of the time. And so it makes sense on that level. Right, right. The Donna Troy twist was fun. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. I, I'm glad that they're giving Donna and Cassie stuff to do here because I think that it can be very easy when talking about the Femiskiran characters to just to just not find a way to bring those two in in any meaningful way. Um, but I but I find those characters very interesting, partly because I'm a DC fan of a certain age, and I remember when those characters were, you know, aside from Diana, pretty much the Themyscirin slash Wonder Woman characters that you would read every mm-hmm. week. So I every month rather. So I you know, I like those characters a lot, but I, I think it's overall. I think this ends in an interesting place. Again, it's kind of a bummer that we're three issues into, is it a seven-part series? Yes. Seven. That, and we're we're still not quite at the trial yet. Yeah. But I, under, but I understand, I guess, why that is, more so than I would for a, like, This book, this event has been doing a lot of heavy lifting for sort of making sense of the Wonder Woman titles over the last six or eight months. But I'll say that I still don't think this is particularly a good continuation of any of those titles. I think this event is enjoyable without being a good or necessary conclusion to the stories that came before it. Specifically, I'm talking about the Nubia and the Amazons thing from last week. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's fair, but to be honest, I do not care about that anymore. <laughs> no. I mean, I mean, like, again, for, for us in this very particular environment in which we talk about comics, it doesn't matter in the slightest. But I think that there is something to be said for people for whom it does matter. And, you know, look, every, you know, they, they always say every comic is somebody's first comic. And I always think like those poor people, you know, <laughs> how dare they be subjected to these things as their first comics. But I, I really do wonder if the if everything about this could have been a little bit better had they just plotted it out a little more. Yeah, I wish it rather than being a seven issue crossover that took place like five or six or seven issues into their respective series. I wish they like I said at the start of this, I wish this would have just been the post death metal uh, wonder title status quo Mm -hmm. and that they would have started and gone from there and treated it more like the Marvel Hickman X books from the start. Mm-hmm. than doing that now. Right. Especially because the Wonder Woman title 
was dealing with Diana in this sort of like, you know, realm of the gods. And we didn't. I think it would have been one thing if coming out of death metal, there was a Wonder Woman title and there was Nubia and the Amazons. Or if Wonder Girl happened on time. And so that story was running concurrently. But it felt like we, we got this this like isolated Diana story that wasn't very good. And then we came back to Earth and all of a sudden there's like four Wonder Woman books and all of them seem kind of rushed. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's our show for this week, folks. Uh, Again, we wish uh, the best of health to DC Wilkerson as she deals with an ear infection. And uh, those suck. So we, we truly hope that she's feeling better. And uh, Vincey, what do we have coming up next week? We've got Action 1041, uh, Aquaman, Green Arrow, Deep Target, number six, Aquaman, number two, Deathstroke, Inc., number seven, Tech, 1058, Harley Quinn, number 13, Icon and Rocket, number six, Robin, 12, uh, The Rogues, number one, Task Force Z, number six, Teen Titans Academy, number 13, The Human Target, number six, and Trial of the Amazons, Wonder Girl, number one. Uh, do we know how much of that Wonder Girl issue is actually drawn by uh, Joel Jones? I do not know. I could have researched that, um, but now it's going to be awkward uh, to load while we talk about yeah, this. Well, so. uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just... I, one of the great mysteries of all of this is what DC's plans for Yara Fleur was going to be if it all worked out. It all working out being like partially about the TV show that didn't happen, but also it's about that seemed like it was a character that was that was primed to be a big part of DC. And because that solo series has been so delayed, all momentum is totally gone for that character. It is all drawn by Joe. Oh, that's good to know. And you know, I, I don't know if any of this is traced or not, but it looks awesome anyway (laughs) so it it does look great i am excited to hear that uh well if you need two-thirds of us we're on twitter zach is at wilker fox i am at brian is a nap if you need vince he is staying up after carcinio to watch ed mcmahon's party (laughs) machine yes and uh man what a weird sketch that was i love that sketch i love that sketch yeah tom kite Morons, morons. <laughs> I did not know that. Uh, anyway. <laughs> whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> Main man, yes. <laughs> Good night, folks. Aside, I could have swore you said a nude. A new, uh, a new Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Park. New Jurassic yeah. Park. <laughs> yeah. Spielberg uh, re- replaced all the guns with walkie talkies <laughs> and put big dicks on all the dinosaurs. <laughs> I must picture this scene where the dinosaur is laying on its side injured and they're trying to help it, but they have to like step over his giant cock <laughs> to get there. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Uh, Placid, I did not... mind you, to maintain of course, the PG-13 of course, of course, rating. Yes.